Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is God's Cure for Depression. God's Cure for Depression, 1 Kings 19, 5 to 8. Have you ever been depressed? <laughs> I'm sure the sound people are pretty depressed right now. Trying to get this going. It's been a nightmare, right? Uh, but have you ever really been down? I, th- I mean, if we're human and you're breathing, you probably have been. You've been in that dark hole. You just couldn't climb out. And in depression, did you ever crash? Ever feel like running away from it all? Running away from your problems? Running away from your marriage, your family, your job, your school, college, uh, your team you're on? And that's often what happens when we're depressed. When we're, when we're depressed, often our responses make things even worse. Make things even worse. Common thing is self-medicating. Uh, the whole self-medicating thing is a very, very common problem. Uh, or even what, you know what I'm talking about, the alcohol, the drugs, and the different things like that. Or even, uh, even with doctors prescribing something, we can still short-circuit healing from depression. I'm not saying we should never use medication, but so often the doctors just throw the medicine at us. Uh, you've all, a lot of you have the stories you've told me, but they don't get to the root of the problem. And so we try to, we just kind of mask it and we don't deal with the real reason for that pain, uh, the real root of the problem. Or we can do other things. We can, you know, gorge ourselves eating the ice cream, you know, the classic eating the ice cream when we're down. Uh, We can uh, veg. We just go in front of the TV and just kind of veg out and shut down, which doesn't make us feel any better. We can pull away from people when we're depressed. Uh, or we can turn to sinful habits, those old sinful habits that give us a real quick high, and, but they don't last, and we end up feeling worse. When we do all these things, we end up even more down. We feel even worse because none of this helps us get out of that depression. It doesn't deal with the real issue. But we're going to see today how God deals with Elijah's depression. Uh, Elijah's depression. There might be a few helpful things for us today. Now, remember, last week we saw how he was so disappointed He was so disappointed. Remember, Elijah was disappointed, and now it morphs into depression. It morphs into depression. He had prayed down fire and rain from heaven, and uh, and now he's so down that he's praying to die. In in fact, in 1 Kings 19.4, we'll pick it up here, where he said, remember last week where he says, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He says, let me die. And if you missed last week, you might want to listen to that one. Uh, seemed to encourage a lot of people because we've all been in that place, haven't we? Now, after praying that, this guy has already had all these prayers answered. He's prayed for, for uh, fire to come from heaven. He's prayed for uh, rain to come down. And now he prays to die. And you would expect a lightning bolt, right? That's what you expect. All those prayers get answered. But instead of that, he gets something else that's even more shocking than a lightning bolt. He gets God's grace, and we're going to see some lessons on God's grace here today for each of us and how to, in the process, dig out of depression. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for your grace today. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, and I know we all struggle with getting down on a regular basis, some of us. Lord, we just pray that through your mercy and grace, we would see how to move forward in spite of how we feel, to move forward spiritually. And I pray that if anybody here is really down, they've never put their faith in Jesus before, that today would be the day they give their life to Jesus Christ. 
We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's, read, let's pick it up here. Uh, verse 5. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Well, I'm already on verse 9 there. Now, first of all, notice what God didn't do to cure Elijah's depression. What he didn't do, he didn't solve all his problems. <laughs> right? He, he didn't remove Ahab and Jezebel yet. He didn't remove their threat yet. He didn't send a national revival, which is really why he was down, as we're going to see. He didn't send a national revival. He, it's still going to be, even after all this, it's just going to be a remnant revival. Only a remnant was going to really follow God here. No, God did something else. He gave us fresh supply of his grace. That's what God did do. And let's look at the process God uses to bring Elijah out of his depression, the steps in grace, really steps of grace. And the first one in verse 5, where he says, uh, Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. He got a good night's sleep. That was the first step on his coming out of the depression, sleep. Sometimes when we're depressed, it's because we're exhausted and we just need to rest. I remember, you know, we've been going to like 19 years now here with the church plant, but I remember at year number seven, I was done. I was really down. Some of you might remember, seven, you know, 13 years ago, whatever it was. I had nothing left. And I said, Kim, it's time for me to go. I'm done. I've given everything I can give to this church. I'm done. I've hit the wall. I'm done. It's time for me to go. And she's like, well, why don't you just take some time? Take a little sabbatical now. Usually when people take a sabbatical, they take three months, right? That's what pastors are supposed to do. I said, well, I'll take a couple of days, three days. You know, I'll take a couple of days. And, uh, that, and I, I get so stir-crazy, it's probably all I could handle anyway. But anyway, I'm going to take this sabbatical, going to take this time. And I went to the beach, Jim and Diane's place at the beach there. And I went there, and I was going to maybe take a week, but it ended up being a couple of days. And uh, I get there, and I'll never forget, I get there, and I lay down to, to take a nap. I was tired. And I woke up hours later. I got up was awake for about an hour. I lay down again and slept for a couple more hours. The next day, same thing. I just kept taking, I always like a nap anyway, but I was taking like four or five hour naps. I was exhausted, completely exhausted. And after doing that for a couple of days, I remember forget, I got up and I was supposed to be there longer. And I was, I'm only there two and a half days now, three days. I get up and I'm like, I'm good. I'm going home. I got in the car, drove home. And I kids, what are you doing here? I go, I'm good. I got my nap. I feel good. I was, I was fine. I just needed to sleep. I was exhausted. Exhausted. That's all I needed. Uh, I didn't need three months. I just needed three days of sleep. I was exhausted. I also did some eating, which we see next. Look at verses 5 and 6. Uh, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. He gets breakfast in bed. All right, breakfast in bed. I remember on my mini sabbatical, my couple days, uh, I also did a lot of eating fun food. Now, usually when I'm with the kids at the beach, 
I go where they want to go. You know, we got to go here and do this, and we eat where they want. I was like, I'm going to do what I want. And I remember getting, uh, I remember getting what I really wanted to eat. And there's nothing as refreshing as not just sleeping, but a, a, a great meal, a meal that we enjoy is very refreshing. That's why dates are so much fun. That's why, uh, you know, going out with your, your, you know, husband or wife or, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you go out and you have a meal and it's real intimate. It's very, very intimate because it's a very uh, refreshing time together. And I got bagels. The bagels there are great. And I got seafood. And I'd bring it back and I'd watch my westerns, you know, on, on TV. You know, I'd be watching a western eating. And I just had a great time. So eating, refreshing, very refreshing. Step number three, verse six. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Here we go. Are we seeing a pattern here? All right. It's nap time. All right. He, he had a long sleep. He got his meal. Now it's nap time. All right. And uh, he, he, he needed more sleep. He was exhausted. Once again, I remember when Kim and I, it was our 25th anniversary. Now we just had our th 32nd. So seven years ago, we finally uh, had no more babies. Uh, little D was three years old, so she was old enough. Jim and Diane said, you guys should go away for your 25th. They sent us, and they said, we're going to watch the kids for the week. They were really, really nice grandparents. And uh, so after, so we went off to, for a week in St. something, St. Thomas, I think it was called, one of them. And we get there, and now, you got to remember, Kim was very tired when we got there. After 13 kids in 18 years, all right, that's what we did. 13 kids in 18 years, and then even the last couple years after that, still no sleep because of the babies. So really, after 20 years of babies, she had not gotten a lot of sleep. Not gotten a lot of sleep. She was very, very tired. I did because I have a gift. I can sleep through babies crying. I have that special gift, you know. All right, it's a spiritual gift. It's in uh, one of the books. Uh, Hezekiah, Hezekiah 9-7, spiritual gift. Uh, there is no book of Hezekiah. But anyway, I'm joking. Kim was tired, but... We didn't, she didn't realize just how tired she was. I remember we went to, we got there, it was 11 o'clock, she went to bed, she went to sleep, and I woke up at 6 o'clock the next morning, and I felt great, seven hours, I never get seven hours of sleep, and I felt great, I went for a walk, no Kim, I went for a, you know, a swim, got some breakfast, went for another swim, I'm up by the pool, I got my books, I'm reading, no Kim, finally at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Kim comes running down to the pool. Why did you wake me up? I go, I thought you were tired, yeah? She slept for 14 hours straight, right? The next night, went to bed at 11. She came down at 1 o'clock again. It just happened like every day, you know? I'm just getting ready to go. She's coming down. I'm just like, I'm going up to take a nap. I'm just, I'm already here for my nap. She's just waking up, right? And uh, this happened every day. She was so tired. She just needed to sleep. In fact, I have the video. I'll show it to the kid. I, once in a while, I pull out the video because I was videotaping there. And I would, and, and it's really a funny video. I go, here's the sunrise. I show it to the kids. They get a kick out of it. Kim hates it. But anyway, I, uh, that's why I'm not showing it. But I go, here's the sunrise. Isn't it so pretty? Kim, oh wait, Kim's not here. She's sleeping. But that's okay because little Kim is here. There was an iguana there. And, it, and he, 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 he was there all the time. Wherever I was, this little Iguana was there. I go, but I, it's okay if I don't have big Kim because I have little Kim here. And I kept showing the video and the kids thought it was hysterical. Uh, it, Kim didn't. But anyway, and I, I go, and now here I am, now we're ready to swim. But oh, I'm all by myself again for the 25th, you know, because big Kim is sleeping, but little Kim is by the pool. You know, I kept doing this whole, you know, narration. I'll show it sometime. But anyway, uh, she, was, she was exhausted. Being a mom is an exhausting job. Moms need downtime. They need downtime. When Kim gets down, when she gets down, 
it's usually because she needs downtime. She needs some time with, without the kids there with her that she can do what she needs to do and get things done and think. think uh, and, and so she needs that downtime. She needs that. Uh, even every Monday, we, we, Kim and I go out every Monday. Monday's my day off. FYI, don't send me emails, don't text me, don't call me, don't anything, if you can remember that, because Monday's my day off. Wait till Tuesday uh, to send me the emails. But uh, we go out on Monday, and we do it every Monday, and we just go out to eat. I let her pick where she wants. It's just that downtime, that time away. It was very, very important. Which brings us to Elijah's second wake-up call, which is another meal. All right, sleep, eat, sleep, here we go. Uh, eat again, the second meal, verses 6 and 7, where he says, He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Too much for you. More food, this is the second course. Now, we're going to go a little deeper now. We did the sleeping and eating, sleeping and eating, but we're going to go a little deeper this time because look who brought the food both times. Who delivered? Special delivery. He, it was delivered with a touch of an angel. Again, second time, touched by an angel. Touched by an angel. Wasn't that a movie show? Wasn't that a show? Yeah, okay, that's probably where they get it from. All right, right here. Uh, this was a supernatural touch from God from God, to give him the peace that passes understanding. He had been through a lot. Think about what he had been through. He had been through a lot, but he has the peace that passes understanding. And angels have a very important spiritual job. Don't let the New Age movement kidnap the angel thing. You know, there are real angels, and they, were, they serve God. Well, a third of them serve Satan now. You know, the third rebelled, but the other two-thirds serve God. And that's their job. The angels were created beings by God to, to serve. One-third of them rebelled, didn't like the place they had. They rebelled, they filed Satan, and they were thrown out of heaven. The other two-thirds still serve God. But more importantly, they serve someone else uh, with God's direction. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits? Ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Who, what's their job? To serve Christians. To those who, who, have, who have inherited salvation. That's their job. They're here to help us. And we see that all over Scripture. In fact, a couple, just a couple, I'll read to you. In Daniel 6, in Daniel 6, Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel 6, verse 21, where it says, Daniel answered, when he wasn't eating, he answers the king. He says, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The angels shut the mouth of the lions, protected him. New Testament, it's not just an Old Testament thing. In the New Testament, Acts chapter 12, Peter's in prison. He's probably going to be executed, very likely. But, verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That night, before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries to guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. The angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. 
Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing. He had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. So he thinks I'm dreaming, right? <laughs> I must be dreaming. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know that without a doubt the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. So we see that, once again, the angel was used by God to protect Peter and to deliver Peter. Angels are always there. All throughout the scripture, angels are always there helping us. And sometimes God lets us see them. Not usually, but sometimes God lets us see the angels. But they're always there helping them, us. And here in 1 Kings 19, back to 1 Kings 19, we see an angel feeding and encouraging Elijah. And the bread and the water that he gives him is no ordinary food. This is no ordinary food. This is supernatural food. We'll, how do we know? We are going to see that it sustain, sustains him for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights, it's going to sustain him. I was thinking about this, and it reminded me of Lord of the Rings. Uh, if you ever read Lord of the Rings, and I think the movie had the same type of thing, thing in it. But, but remember in Lord of the Rings, the, the elven food remember the food and the drink that they would get and when they would they would be out you know going through this long journey and just eating a little bit of that the elf wafer or drinking a little of that drink that they had given them to take on the journey would give them this energy and strength that was uh, uh, extraordinary that's really what this is a picture of is this is a supernatural food and it's also a supernatural type it's a picture, a type, an Old Testament picture of a New Testament reality. It's a, a, it's a picture. It's a type. That's also important to understand. Now, setting this up, God had now has fed Elijah miraculously three times. What was the first time? The, the ravens, thank you, the ravens. Remember they brought him the, the food? The ravens were bringing him the food. That was the first miracle. The second one was? Uh, another instant, another situation. The raven and the widow. The widow. <laughs> it's only been a couple of months. Come on now. Uh, you know, I know we're going slow, but it hasn't been that long ago. The widow, remember? The, 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 the flour and the oil never ran out. Remember that? That's another miracle. Those were both miracles. But this time, the bread comes right from the hand of God. This is heavenly manna. This is a whole nother thing. And it's a type, just like manna, it's a type, the bread from God, it's a type of the word of God. Bread, whenever you see it in scripture, it's, it's a type of the, of the word of God, and it's also a type of Jesus Christ. It's a type of the word and a type of Jesus. That's what manna was, bread from heaven, the word of God, and Jesus Christ. And the key, now this is the key for gaining victory over anything, including depression, the key to gaining victory over any struggle that we're fighting, including depression, is exactly that. Jesus Christ and the word of God. That's vital for getting our victory. When we feed our hearts and our minds with God's word, when we do that, it allows Jesus Christ's healing touch 
to our minds and hearts, to our emotions, to us in every way. It allows him to heal our hearts and minds when we, when we feed on the word. And we will have a peace, just like Elijah has an amazing peace now, we will have a peace that passes understanding. A lot of you know what I'm talking about. You became Christians, you started connecting with God, the Holy Spirit's power, you started reading the word, you started memorizing verses, and I've heard your testimonies. It's amazing the change in my life, the, the peace that I've had, the victory that I've had, the healings that I've had. It's, it's amazing what God's word has done. It's a, it's a supernatural strength. And when we do that, when we feed on God's word, and we're connected to Jesus Christ, we'll have a whole new perspective on the challenges we are facing. Elijah's still facing the same exact challenges, but wait till you see in the next few weeks. He has a whole new perspective on the challenges he's facing. God doesn't just take away all our problems. He gives us a whole new perspective on the challenges we're facing. He gives us a whole new shot of grace to deal with them. And he doesn't take them away because they're there for a reason. They're there for a purpose. That what you're going through may have been to bring you to Jesus. So many people I know come to Christ because of the trial they're facing or get closer to Christ because of the trial. But God's word gives us a whole new perspective. Uh, Nate, Nate, you know, Nate plays baseball in college there. And, and Kim and I went to watch uh, him play in Florida. We had a vacation and it was the same time and long story. But we got to watch some of his baseball games. And we get down there... And Nate was having trouble hitting the ball. Not, not hitting, getting out. That happens in baseball, but he, he was missing the ball. And, and he was hitting okay. I mean, he was hitting okay, but Nate usually hits really well. And I was like, Nate, something's not right. How, why are you missing the ball? You've been striking out like once a game. Unheard of. Just very, very unusual. And he's like, no, nah, I'm just slumping. I'm just slumping. And by the end of the trip, I'm like, Nate, something else is up. No, I'm just, I must just have lost. I'm like, Nate, go get your eyes checked. Go get your eyes checked. It, I've been playing with them for a long time. I don't have a shoulder left because of, I'm going to need soldier, shoulder surgery because of, the, because of this kid. And, and I said, go, go get your eyes. He didn't do it. You get back, still struggling. So a couple weeks later, I'm like, Nate, go see the eye doctor. Finally, he goes to see the eye doctor. He gets there, and the eye doctor does the eye test on me. He says, your eyes are really bad. You shouldn't be driving. Now, he's standing up there, 90-mile-an-hour balls coming at him, uh, you know, and he shouldn't even be driving. Think about that, right? I'm as shocked he could hit it at all. So they give him glasses and contacts. He goes out, and he starts killing the ball. He's killing it. He's hitting great. The rest of the season hits great. What's the difference? The contacts, the glasses. That's the difference. He got a whole new pers perspective. He could, he could actually see what's going on. He got a whole new perspective, a whole new focus. And that's what God's word does. Instead of just looking at it with the world's eyes, we look at everything through the God's word. Everything has to go through the lens of God's word, through the screen of God's word. And that changes the way we see everything when we look at it through, with a biblical worldview. Vital, the biblical worldview is we look at everything through the word. And that's, that's, these are our glasses. These are our spiritual glasses. Now, one more final step. One more final step. The food, sleeping, the, the type here. But there's a final step in 1 Kings 19, 7, 8. And this is, this is a big one. In verses 7, 8 where he says, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Here we go. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by, by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain 
of God. God gives him a spiritual goal. He gives him a renewed purpose. He said, your job is to get to Mount Horeb. Now, we're going to talk about Mount Horeb next week. Don't miss it. Mount Horeb, wild story there. That's where, who, where do we first hear about Mount Horeb? Who, who met with God there? Moses, thank you. At least you saw the TV show, the movie. Okay, so Mount Horeb, he, he, he met, Moses met God there. And we're going to see that Elijah is also going to meet God there. Now, Mount Horeb, from where he was here, is a 10-day walk. 10-day walk. But it's going to take Elijah, how long? 40 days. Why is it going to take him so long? 40 days. Why? Because this is... Elijah's sabbatical and his sabbatical is not over yet he is sending him on a spiritual retreat into the desert <laughs> what a great place to go for a retreat right ah <laughs> yeah here's the here's the hot tub everything's a hot tub I think yeah, all the water's hot you know yeah it's that's where he sends him to into the desert for 40 days, because he needed a final jolt. He got the rest and the food and the supernatural. He got all this, but he needs a final jolt to move out of his depression. He's in this depressed state, a final jolt. This is the last step in God's cure and care for Elijah. But now there's not going to be any food during this final step of the cure. He got all that food, no more. For the next 40 days, he's going to be fasting. And what happens when we fast? Fasting includes always prayer. It's fasting and prayer. He's going to be praying and fasting for 40 days. He had already fed on the word. We saw he was already given that, that, you know, the, the special loaves, the, the heavenly manna cooked. He already got the word, and now it's time to digest the word. Now it's time to grow some spiritual muscles. To grow muscles. Recently, we were out and we caught some polywogs, some tadpoles, whatever you want to call them, little baby frogs. And so we caught some. And the thing about the tadpole is they got this giant head and just this little teeny body, right? But ideally, if they survive, we won't go into what happened to ours, but anyway, if they survive, they start to grow arms and legs and they grow a body. And before long, the body is as big as the head and it doesn't stick out anymore and that's the ideal what should happen but so many times as christians we we're all head we're all knowledge we know all this stuff but we don't grow spiritually we don't grow and it's very important that our knowledge morphs into spiritual muscle very very important that that happens and that is what God is doing with him now. You've got the bread. Now it's time to grow the spiritual muscle. And there's another reason why, and this is interesting, there's another reason why Elijah was fasting in the desert 40 days and 40 nights. There's another reason. Can anybody guess it? 40 days and 40 nights in the desert fasting, praying. Who does that sound like? Yes! Remember, Elijah is a type of Jesus Christ. He's a type of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. And so this is, that's why he has to do this. He's setting the stage for what Jesus is going to do. In Matthew 4, we'll pick it up, Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. There we go. He's, it's a prophetic picture of what Jesus Christ would do. Everything you see Jesus do, you can find it in the Old Testament. There's a prophetic picture somewhere in the Old Testament. Everything he's going to do. And it was a time 
for Elijah a time of testing and refining, just as it would be for Jesus Christ. It was a time of testing for Jesus. In fact, look at verse 3. Jesus and, uh, verse 3, the tempter, we know it's Satan, right? The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we did a, there's a, we got a whole sermon on the podcast. You can go back and listen to that. There's a whole reason why that whole interchange happened. But it was a time of testing. God also puts us, just as Elijah was tested, Jesus was tested, we also go through testing times. We go through dry times to test us, to refine us, to teach us dependence, to teach us dependence. That's why God puts us through this, these, these dry times in the desert. In fact, in Deuteronomy 8, talking about the Israelites, who once again, that's a picture, prophetic picture of us, okay? What we're going to have to go through. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, Moses says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Do you hear that? To humble you and to test you and to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone but in every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Where did we just hear that? Jesus quoted it. It's all, we're all connected. Elijah, Jesus, us. God puts us through this testing time to refine us, to teach us dependence. That's what he does. Are you in a dry time? Are you going through a dry time today? What is God trying to refine in your life? Are we becoming more dependent through that dry time? Maybe you're here today and you're really down. Are you down? Are you disappointed? Has it become depression? What step do we need to take when we're down? What step do we need to take? Maybe it's the, the, the rest, the R&R. We just need the R&R. We need, maybe we need a sabbatical, a real vacation. You know, take a real vacation with a real relaxation. <laughs> That's a lost art, right? Or maybe it's a Sabbath. Maybe it's not a sabbatical, but maybe it's a Sabbath. Do you take a day every week that you just crash and you take that rest day of rest? It could be any day. Sometimes it could be a Sunday doesn't work for me. I'm busy on Sundays. But I take Mondays. That's my Sabbath. Every one of us, biblically, God has says, you must, we must take a Sabbath. And I've had this conversation with so many people. They're, I've talked to people and they were exhausted, exhausted, crashing. And I said, do you take a Sabbath? No, I don't. I said, it's vital that you take a day every week and you rest. It doesn't matter when it is. Sunday works great. Could be a Saturday. The, you know, the Jewish Sabbath could be any day. But you have to have a day that you recharge and and i've had people say I, I just can't do it and they've crashed they have crashed they they just burn out it's vital that you take that day you take that day whatever it is you have to find that day and take it it could be sundays could be anything also every day we need some downtime we have the sabbatical, we have our Sabbath, but every day we need some time that's down that there's some time to recharge if you just every day just go 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 never rest, don't take a nap, don't do something that recharges, you, you, the day's going to wear you down. It's very important every day to get some margin time. Very, very important. Maybe 
What you need, too, is to take that time with God. Take some time with God. We need daily time with God. We need that time in the Word. We need that daily manna. We've talked about this many times. We need that time with Jesus. We need to get His perspective every day. Morning is a great time to do it, but if you can't, sometime today we have to get that perspective. It it, it involves studying the Bible, reading the Bible, and and when God speaks to us with a verse, taking that verse and writing it down and memorizing it and digesting it and and meditating on that verse and letting God really take it from the head to the heart. It takes that time. It it takes that uh, devotional time. Sometimes a good devotional is helpful. In addition to studying the Bible for yourself, there's a lot of good devotionals that you can get. I I like Dr. Jeremiah's. I send that out to you guys a lot. Uh, But it could be anyway. There's a lot of really good devotionals that, that just really hit to the heart of, of, of a verse that really apply it to our lives. But we need that constant time to recharge. How do you need to recharge? How do you need to recharge? And it's important to understanding what recharging involves. I'm talking about the spiritual recharging. I'm talking about the physical recharging. But there's every one of us has four different parts to us. And I, and I use, use this example a lot, uh, driving a car. Think of a car with four different gas tanks on it. And each of the different fuel tanks need to be filled. We are that type of a car. We each have four different fuel tanks. We have the spiritual, we have the physical, we have the emotional, and we have the mental. All right, we have those four different tanks. And it's very important that you understand the need to fill all four tanks. We see it in the Bible. That's how God has made us. Very important to keep them all filled. A lot of times, I'll, I'll be really doing well. I'll be reading my Bible and doing great spiritually, but I'm just wiped out and feel lousy. I'm like, I must not be close to God. No, it's not about God. There's another tank that needs filling. A lot of times, we just always think, I'm not doing well spiritually if I'm down. You could be doing great spiritually. But maybe it's the physical. You just need a long nap, the physical. Or you need exercise. You need to eat right. Or maybe it's emotional. Every one of us needs emotional recharging. How do we recharge emotionally? Something that we love doing. That's what hobbies are. Something that, that we do and we just love it. And after we do it, we just feel better. And, and it could, it's different for everybody. Everybody, I, I have certain hobbies. Uh, I love to read. You know, that's really good for me. And um, I love my Western, Westerns. Uh, you get the idea. All right, kids sports, all that stuff. But I, stuff that I do that recharges, it's very important to emotionally charge. And then finally is the mental. What do we do for our brains? Our, mentally, we need to be stimulated. There has to be things that we do that will stimulate us mentally. Reading could do both. You know, kind of read, you can do you hit both of them. Uh, if, if any one of those tanks is low, you're going to get low. You could be doing great spiritually, great physically, great mentally, but if emotionally you're drained, you're going to feel lousy. All four tanks have to be filled. That's how God has made us. That's how he's made us. That's what needs to be recharged. All right, all of them are very, very important. And, and uh, so you have to figure out which tank is empty and refill that. How do you need to recharge? What, what in your life needs to be recharged? And obviously spiritually is the number one, number one priority in our life, right? Maybe, as we get ready to close here, maybe the root of your being down is you need Jesus. Maybe you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you're down and you're running on empty because you are. You're, you're doing it without God. I was watching a 
old sitcom yesterday with Kim, and they were going through a, a crisis on the sitcom. And, but, and I was like watching them go through this crisis in their life. The dad had a heart attack. It was like oh, this whole thing. But they were trying to go through this. There was no God mentioned. Nothing. No prayer, no nothing. The dad almost dies. The whole family is trying to deal with this without God. And I said to Kim, I go, can you imagine? And they were crazy. They were miserable. They were lost. They had nothing. And I said, no wonder. They don't have God. Can you imagine living like that? But that's what life is like. If you don't have God, if you don't have your faith in his son, Jesus Christ, you've got nothing. You're on your own. You're going to hit the wall. You're going to be empty. It's amazing the difference that Jesus Christ, it's the difference between life and death. It's the difference between joy and misery. It's amazing. You may just need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and give your life to him and put your faith in him. That's the starting point. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how's God speaking to us? Maybe you're down and you can see how God ministered to Elijah and you say, yeah, that's what I need. I need the sleep. I need the food. I need the word. I need the new perspective. I need a purpose from God. Direction. I need a supernatural touch, the peace that passes understanding. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You need that. Maybe one of your tanks is empty, and you realize, you know what, I I do need to keep these. God's made me this way, and I need to keep these tanks full. I need to protect my wife and make sure she's keeping it full. Maybe you're going through a dry time. God has you in the desert for a reason. To refine and to test and to teach dependence and obedience as we saw in Deuteronomy 8. In your prayers, God, I'm asking you to help, help me, but Lord, if I'm in this dry time for a purpose, let that purpose be fulfilled. And then pull me out of this dark hole. Show me what, show me what I need to, to do by your grace, what part of your grace I need. And while we're praying about that, I want to ask the person, maybe you're here today, and you are that person who doesn't know Jesus. You've never given your life to him you're doing it all on your own and you're running on empty and you know it's going to crash but it doesn't have to because John 3.16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life God gave his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay for our sin, to take our shame, to take our burdens. 
And if we will put our faith, whoever believes in him, if we will put our faith in him, give our life to him, God will fill us in a way that we never thought possible. And it starts with a prayer of faith. Right where you are right this moment. A simple prayer of faith. God, I don't want to drive this car on my own anymore. I surrender to Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. I want to walk away from that old life and the sin and the garbage. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith that I want to encourage you to tell me on the way out or fill out the card or tell someone that you're here with, let somebody know today. Let somebody know. Because we're going to be excited for you and encourage you and help you understand all you have in Jesus Christ now. Father, we pray for every one of us, Lord, that, Lord, if we're down, I pray that you would pick us up by your grace. If there's something you're trying to do in our life, I pray that we would surrender to that. If anyone here has never put their faith in you, I pray that they won't leave today without knowing they have a peace that passes understanding. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.